Welcome to On With Origins. I'm your host, Frank Diekman, Cooperator-in-Chief for CUToday.info. During this podcast, we'll be talking with industry leaders to learn more about leveraging technology to meet goals and deliver meaningful results. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Our guests today are Tony Butel, the CEO of Origins, and Erin Mendez, who's the chair of the board of Origins, and she's also the CEO of Patelco Credit Union. I want to welcome both of you first and foremost to this podcast. Good to see you. Good to have me. (laughs) Good to see you, Frank. Thanks. We're going to be talking about some of the top stories today of 2023, and there are so many. But as we look at the top five, you know, it's hard not to discuss the liquidity challenge that just about every credit union seems to have in common, uh, regardless of assets. Can you share some of your thoughts on what you're seeing there from both of your perspectives? I can start out if you don't mind, uh, Aaron. Uh, well, first of all, we just finished our board planning session in October. And as I said to the board at the beginning of that planning session, I'll say it again here, you know, what a difference a year makes, right? Because uh, it's it was a completely different financial picture a year ago and how fast liquidity just dried up in the marketplace. Uh, we were we had a record year of making loans last year, at 80 plus billion. Uh, this year, we might get to 70 billion. Uh, and, and it isn't because of lack of demand. It's literally because of lack of uh, credit unions having the liquidity to make the loans that they were making. Uh, and, and usually, I've never seen this happen. I mean, in the 30 years I've been you know, working in the indirect space and, and lending space in general, it's just never been this tight of a market from a liquidity perspective. Uh, Aaron, I don't know, you is this, is this new to you? Well, it certainly is at this time. I think the fastness of the rise of the interest rates, not just the Fed funds, but in the Treasury overall, um, has been an interesting thing to maneuver through. No matter where I go or who I talk to that manages the credit union, um, you know, liquidity is like the number one thing on the mind. It's even interesting because you have different outlets for liquidity, but they all cost and they cost differently. So um, it's a balance of what you're gonna do on the liquidity front and then how it's impacting margins and earnings as well. So the balance of both of those is getting a little um, difficult, I think, for some to maneuver through right now. But before we move on from liquidity, what do you think about 2024? Are we going to see a similar situation with liquidity? I don't see it getting much easier. We're seeing some credits with uh, investments rolling off their balance sheets that might free up some liquidity in 2024. I've talked to some that have that happening, so that's probably a good thing. But for the most part, you know, credit unions are having to increase rates to keep keep deposits, and and that's just going to make it that much harder to have loan capabilities right now. Uh, Aaron, your thoughts? Oh no, I still think it'll be tight next year, and the reason I think it'll be tight is your cost of funds are going to go higher and higher next year, even if you didn't do anything different. And that cost of funds, then you have to decide, am I going to keep these shares at that high cost or do I need to shrink? And I think you're going to find some of us credit unions will shrink as opposed to too much um, erosion at the margin where that becomes um, very, very difficult as well. So I think it might be a different side of liquidity that we're dealing with. But I think you have to watch for those that really might purposely drop some shares 
to keep margins intact. I agree. You know, there's an issue that would affect cost of funds would certainly be a recession. And I have simply lost count of the number of headlines I have written with each Fed increase in rates that this is the one. This is the one that's going to dip the economy into a recession, a recession that is yet to arrive. How do you view that issue? Uh, Would you have predicted a Fed rate increase in December uh, perhaps might do it? Or is it just that soft landing we keep hearing so much about? And we're not even getting a soft landing. So how do you view that issue? Yeah, I I mean, the issue with an economic downturn really has to do with employment. And we just haven't seen the employment numbers go down. Now, they have softened a bit this last month, I saw. But, you know, I I think that's got to happen. And the demand for car lending in particular has has softened a little bit, but it's still pretty good. I mean, if credians want to make loans today and they have liquidity, then they, they would be able to do it. Um, so I, I don't see, you know, one more rate increase putting us into a recession. I, I think it's it's really going to depend on the labor market and whether or not that tightens up. You know, the way I look at it is kind of the markets and economists have been wrong probably for the last 18 months on everything. And so, you know, when you look at Fed futures or anything else, I I tend to discount it right now because it's been wrong. I also think that one of my concerns is that the market conditions today aren't taking into full account what's happening with charge-offs and delinquencies. And there is pressure on consumers right now to make payments. So while they're employed, So if they become unemployed, then we're going to have, I think, a more serious situation than we think. You know, I tend to, while we might not be um, building in a recession, I I still think there's going to be one because of what I see going on in delinquencies and charge-offs. And I just wonder if we're in a new kind of situation where the employment market has changed so dramatically since pandemic that we don't understand how low employment that we have today, if low employment today really should be 2%. And so three and a half and 4% is more uh, a more normal, higher unemployment rate than what we used to always use at the 5% rate. So I just think there's some shifts going on that we don't understand or have a good arms around right now. Yeah, we'll understand them in the future, looking backwards. <laughs> we just don't understand them now. <laughs> this is such a complex question, and perhaps only AI could answer it. Which brings me to the next question I wanted to ask each of you, which is, why is AI, uh, it, it's really come to the forefront in 2023. You know, it was discussed quite a bit at Lending Tech Live, for instance. It's discussed at other credit union events. How do each of you view AI, and, and what does that mean to each of your organizations? Well, we've, we've embraced it at Origins as, as you know, a way to help credit unions uh, create more efficiencies. And our focus as an organization on how to help credit unions is how do we help you make more loans, which we will talk more about kind of how we're doing that. But the other side of it is how do we create more efficiencies? And I think that's the big issue with credit unions right now. I think it's, you know, how do you kind of create that better member experience? How do you create efficiencies in your organization? And how do you prevent fraud? Besides liquidity, those seems to be the three big things I see credit unions kind of focused on. 
And I think the the thing that I would um, say on AI in particular is that we are embracing it. We brought it into our a new product called Document Processing Automation, where we're helping credit unions with that stare and compare in the back office. We're automating that using AI. Uh, we have some partners that we've uh, uh, embedded into our platform, and we've got probably a dozen credians live and a, and a couple dozen in, in implementation so that they can get this benefit of really being able to have much less staff to do the back office processing. And And I just think that's just going to continue to evolve into more and more, uh, you know, a bigger product and more more opportunities to try to take cost out of the credit union's expense lines. You know, we, we use several third-party SaaS relationships that are AI embedded, whether it's for fraud, whether it's for learning and development, our HR systems, and even some of um, our, our partnerships on the lending front. So some of that's already kind of baked in with your third parties as well that, that you get very used to. I do know that we've turned to more internal uses and certainly are bringing up generative AI. And we're going through processes of how to build the governance around that internally. So I think it's the thing that's here to stay. And then it's just going to create a lot of opportunity. But I also think in the short run, you do have to watch out for some of the problems it can bring too. You know, I was talking to one CEO recently who was having kind of this debate internally and her tech person she was talking to said, hey, wait, give me three minutes. And three minutes later, he came back with a sound ad using her voice, her inflection, her way of speaking and the words she would use in a completely false way. And she said she could not tell it wasn't her. So, you know, there is some some of that that you get concerned about, like, how do I make sure those kinds of things that are out publicly aren't exploited inappropriately? And then certainly, how do I build the things internally to insulate myself from any fraudulent use? So I think it's still a very immature industry, and we're going to find it and use it, but we got to be careful as we go. I 100% agree, Aaron. We've created a committee at Origins with a variety, including ERM, being part of that committee, variety of uh, participants to make sure that we have governance. I think you use that word around it. And I think that's really important because the, the AI that's out there today, the one thing that our HR department and other departments that are you know, trying to figure out ways that they can be more efficient using AI, when you do use some of these products, they are C plus, B minus kind of answers. They're not the right answer all the time. So you, you don't always get exactly what you want. So you got to review a lot of times the questions you're asking AI. I know it's interesting what that uh, CEO did. And uh, y- y- there is so many ways to create fraud in this area. And we got, got to use it for the right reasons. Uh, but I think it's much more important for credit unions to lean into it and create boundaries and and use it because I think expense control has got to be a huge focus for credit unions going forward if they want to stay you know relevant and 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 productive to their members. I feel I should, by the way, reassure listeners that the three voices that we're hearing today of Tony, Aaron, and myself, it is actually us. Of course, who knows where we'll be in a year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Another big story here in 2023 that I've written a lot about, others have, and it has to do with all these credit union mergers that are taking place. Um, But 2023 is also going to be remembered for two other major mergers. In this case, it's between the two trade groups, CUNA and NAFQ, and then between the two large QSOs, PSCU and Co-op Solutions. How do each of you view these mergers, and, and what do you see taking place there? I'll let you start that one, Aaron. I, I view both of them very, very positively. You know, if you think of having two organizations that serve parts of the whole, but not the whole, they still have to do the same work for both of those parts. So there should be tons of efficiencies that we should be able to be gained through this. And whether that's then means reduced dues or whether it means improvements to what the missions are and how you are going to even support credit unions going further, there should free up tons of money to focus on what's most critical. You know, in the case of um, PSCU and co-op, I'm, I'm a co-op um, member. And just think about that. They're all trying to do fraud systems. They're all trying to do um, AI, bring AI into their environments. They're all trying to do card controls, you name it. And the duplication just isn't valuable. And freeing up those resources for really competitive investments, and I mean competitive outside um, the credit union market, competitive factors for us. We need those kinds of things, and we need better solutions. And this is, to me, one way that you absolutely create instant investment money by not duplicating everything. So I think I think nothing but positive about it. I agree with you, Aaron. They say, is this taking some of the competition out of the marketplace? I don't think from a trade association perspective, that's that's kind of ridiculous in a way, because sometimes you don't want to have two voices, you know, for legislative or any kind of uh, regulatory uh, issues. So I think it's great for them. I think the same thing with PSU, and there's plenty of competition already. So I, I think they could be much better, much more efficient. And in a way, I think, you know, it's just the whole concept of business. Scale matters, right? Scale matters in every business and in a way, Aaron, you know, as my board chair, I'm kind of going, who should we merge with now? <laughs> you know, because you have to look at how you can get better. And one way is merging other. And we've done a few of those, as you know, Aaron, over the last couple of years. And it has made us better. But it's always making sure you're doing the right ones and how you're adding more capabilities and higher value proposition to uh, to our product suite. But it is something that I would say is going to be great for the industry. Execution is going to be critical here uh, for both those uh, mergers to make sure that they do get what Aaron is expecting out of this. And I think everybody else is not unlike Aaron. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that goes. So it will be a little disruptive, I think, uh, for the next year for both those organizations. But I think in the next year or so, they should have a much better value proposition. Well, you know, in the case of PSCU and co-op, there are other solutions out there. So it's not that you're limiting solutions, but creating a one credit owned solution where you can invest more and you can invest in a way that's meaningful for credit unions and how they want to do cards as an example. I don't know. I just think that has so much power to it. But you're right. Execution will matter. It, it will. And, and I, like I said, I, I think they have, there's plenty of competition. I, and you're, like you said, they're 100% owned by credit unions. We're 100% owned by credit unions. That 
that is going to matter a lot. It's basically, and you, you know this, Aaron, from our board discussions, I mean, owning and controlling your delivery channels for credit unions, it's a competitive model that I think we need to lean into and make sure that we have that and can expand on that and keep credit unions relevant, really, is what, it, what I think it allows us to do. Both of you just touched on competition. You know, a term that's been around, but it's really percolated to the top in 2023 is top of funnel. Could you speak to what that means to a credit union that may not understand it? And and what is top of funnel going to mean moving forward? Well, I'll I'll start that one, too. I I think that, you know, we coined the term top of funnel. I think, Frank, you you asked me that probably six months ago. What the heck are you talking about? And I think it is something we got to explain a little more. I think another way of saying it is embedded finance. Uh, but but embedded finance, it's all about where does that loan application start? 85% of all loans for autos for many years started at the auto dealership. I mean, people just showed up. They were looking for a car, not really a loan, but they know they had to get one, but they could get one at the dealership. And, and that is changing. And we're seeing, you know, between the EV companies that are going direct to the online used car companies like Carvana's and others are going direct. So that is going to change, I think, how loans are being done. That's why you're putting embedded finance in some of these websites, embedded finance in the actual purchase of an EV. Uh, and we'll, I'll get into it more, but I'll let Aaron talk a little bit more too on that. But it's, it, is a, um, it is something strategically that Aaron and our board are really asking us to focus on and that concept of keeping credit is relevant in this changing lending marketplace. Well, you know, and I also think of top of funnel is just think about lending. You have to have so many apps taken in to go through the qualification process to what actually gets funded. And from from the intake to what gets funded, um, you know, you could, depending on the product, might only get 50% out of that. So top of funnel also represents kind of the whole intake process. And in today's world, the intake process is shifting to what Tony's talking about being embedded finance. And you, you hear it in a, a lot of different ways. And I think if you want to be there where your member's at, but capture the ability to still lend to your members, you're going to have to be in the embedded world as well as your direct world. So I, I think it's something that's here to stay. Um, so fighting against it or working against it isn't the answer. The answer is, how do you make it work? Because if it's working for your members, it's working. But I want my members to have loans from Patelco. So I need to make sure I'm where they're at as well. As part of that, Tony, another top story out of 2023 that is specific to Origins has really been the emergence of FI Connect. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, uh, you know, a year ago, uh, NCUA allowed CUSOs uh, to make auto loans. And then most recently, they kind of upgraded the regulations around, you know, participations and, and whole loan sales, which has really allowed us to start a finance company. And the reason that we've been kind of lobbying this with NCUA for a while is that this whole concept of top of funnel, if you go to a Tesla or a Costco or somebody like that, they don't want a drop down box of a thousand credit unions and they don't want a thousand different ways that loans made and they don't want a thousand different rates, but they like credit unions. In fact, Costco was built on credit unions. So 
how do we create something that makes sense? So FI Connect is a finance company that we started uh, about a year ago, and it is licensed in 47 states right now. We see lots of opportunities with these national players. Uh, the first one that we've just gone live with is uh, Tesla. Uh, so we're embedded in Tesla's website today. Uh, we are making loans right now in four states, in Virginia, Washington State, Arizona, and Nevada. And we have four more that we're going to be going to by the end of the year and uh, probably 20 more next year. That Because of franchise laws, Tesla only makes loans, indirect loans in 28 states. Uh, but we're also working with them on direct loans. So so we do have a way to upload Credit Union's membership lists into FI Connect so that they get their members back. And then we also have a way to memorize the new members that come through that platform to give them to the uh, to the Credit Union's. And we just launched this in September and uh, it's going very well. For all the volumes, and we have about 20 Credit Union's, but Telco's being one of them that are signed up for this today, uh, given us capacity of about 300 million a month. We have another 12 or so that are in the works to get go live here uh, also in 24. Uh, so I think we'll just see that build because uh, uh, they have capacity to do, you know, a billion plus of loans a month. So that's where FI Connect is starting. But FI Connect is going to go to many more places besides Tesla. Anything else you wish to add there, Aaron, at all? Well, the first thing I would add is hurry up and get California running because we're ready to go. Um you know, I, I think it's an example of some of the shift we have to really think about. And we still can reach our members through different channels. And FI Connect is now, to me, just another channel and a way to reach members. And under that structure, there are certain costs I don't have to pay for. So there's different things I can do around that that really help me reach members for the loans that they want in a very efficient way as well. So um, I'm looking forward to it. But of course, being in California right now, there's still a lot of EV car sales. So um, I have members who would like to make some of those loans. So, and, and just a final question for each of you. How do you look at 2024 beyond what we've been discussing here? And what does it hold for each of you? Well, you know, we're we're going into 24. When we finished up our board planning session, I, I loved uh, what Erin said. She said, uh, you have momentum. And and I think we do have momentum on, a, you know, on a lot of these fronts. What what we don't have is liquidity. So <laughs> that is the that is the thing that's holding us back. And I think demand is going to hold up somewhat because, you know, with COVID, the whole car purchasing was muted quite a bit. So people weren't able to buy cars. It's amazing how, you know, the rates have gone up so much and people are still in the market to buy cars. Unless there's a big economic downturn next year, I think it's going to be an okay year for us. You know, it's not going to be a record year, but I think it's going to be a good year. And I do look forward to seeing the Tesla program really go live in, in all these states to, to see more credit unions sign up for that. We're looking for more credit unions to sign up. And the thing that I would just say uh, for the credit unions that are listening to this podcast is that you know, even if you don't have liquidity today and you don't have that much to uh, to be able to put into a program like this, getting connected to us in a lull, I guess you could say in some ways, this is the time to make technology change. This is the time to get integrated because you can turn on these other channels pretty quickly with us. But if we have 100 credit unions in front of you in the middle of 2024, 
you, you, you may not be able to get integrated for another six months, you know, when you are ready to do it. So I would just say that's the one thing I would try to encourage people is to get integrated to our FI Connect platform so they can take advantage of it, whatever uh, loan type they want to start working with us on. So that's what I'm looking forward to is getting that going. And as, as and Aaron, we'll have California going in uh, this month. It'll be done. So we're ready to make loans. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, I think my outlook on 2024 is a little the glass is half empty. Um, I think we absolutely are going to have margin squeeze. And it is the cost of deposits that you raised this year, whether you did it through alternative ways or through your deposit gathering ways, uh, that's going to bite hard next year to deal with. So I do think the, the margin squeeze is next year. At least it is for Patelco. So, so that makes it a very difficult year. You know, our outlook is we're, from a budget perspective, we just said we're not changing any outlook on interest rates, meaning we're keeping all interest rates high next year. So if they do happen to decrease, then we'll deal with that. But um, at this stage, they're very unpredictable still, if you ask me. And, you know, I'm not paid to guess. So we're just paid to make decisions and we're paid to make alternative plans and execute. So that's kind of our perspective. But I do think it's going to be a tight year. I think our loan to share is going to go higher next year and it's going to be a squeeze. But I also think that you got to plan the last couple few months of the year of how you get out of that environment so you can charge through a new environment in 2025. Oh, that is that is really interesting. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, Aaron, Tony. Appreciate both of you being with us here today. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for taking this time with us today. Please be sure to view the show notes for important links and information discussed during this episode. And if you haven't had the chance to already, please subscribe to On with Origins through your favorite podcast listening platform to receive notifications and new episode alerts. Have a great rest of your day, and we look forward to having you tune in for our next episode.